was I Put a Spell on You by the Animals from, I think, 1965, or at the latest, 1966. And the title of this podcast, which is number 323, is I Put a Spell on You. And I want to talk to you uh, today um, about the Australian lockdown. Now, that may sound highly um, tied to a particular news item, but it is something that is of such great interest and of actually, at least in my little opinion, of such great importance that it's worth just teasing out a little bit the current massive Australian lockdown. And I'm talking now uh, at the end of July 2021. And I want to talk it especially concerning the Christian elements and the faith elements and the promise elements and the hope elements when faced with a kind of um, massive disaster, because you can very quickly parabolize this entire limited but very weighty, actually, in our world, historic event in terms of personal living and your own dealing with um, the stresses and, and sometimes the insuperable challenges, to put it mildly, the lethal challenges of being a human being in this world and from a Christian perspective. And I'd like to talk a little bit about the COVID lockdown in Australia because it is extremely salutary for um, a, a human being, let alone a believing human being, to take some lessons from this and to observe it because it is the extreme end of fearful um, and... Um, uh, defeated and ultimately um, controlling responses to an outward intrusive problem. And it is um, really uh, on the far end of human response to challenge. And that's why I want to talk about it. Now, I've uh, <clears throat> not been to Australia myself, but my father had a love affair with Australia and my mother and father spent a lot of time there a lot of it, time of there, and I have a love affair with Neville Shute, who was writing uh, in the, um, really the 1950s, about life in Australia, and he had an absolute love affair with the freedom-loving um, wallabies of, uh, of uh, Melbourne and Sydney and Queensland and the outback, and he wrote about six novels of outstanding quality about the Australian national character, which was um, humorous, matey, masculine in a good way, um, delightful, and also highly enterprising and really adventuresome. Now, what's uh, happened in um, New South Wales in particular, and Victoria and other states, as they call them, of this very large country, is a... Um, is a uh, one, one way to do it. And um, 
the policy of the national and federal state, that is, governments of Australia, has been to have a what's called a zero-case um, policy in which the case itself is the thing to fight. And only when there are zero cases of the COVID um, virus in the community, as they incessantly call it, the community, only then can um, the measure of lockdown, a very impressive and uh, what is commonly called draconian, a very, very specific lockdown to be lifted. Now, this entire um, strategy that only uh, a zero case um, result in a city like Sydney will result in the withdrawal of life cramping and life governing and life stultifying and stunting and finally life really destroying, relationship destroying uh, measures is based on a, um, there are sort of four things I want to say, if I can put it that way. I sound like uh, Pastor Todd at uh, City of Destiny. He always has four things or five things, and they always begin with the same letter of the alphabet, which is actually very impressive and highly thought through and very helpful to the listener and the writer down of notes. But the first is um, there's a mistake made, a fundamental mistake about the nature of the COVID, which is to say and this is not anything controversial remotely. It's not an opinion. It's we see it. There, uh, there are serious groups within the population, especially the elderly, who are at risk from getting COVID and dying. And they must be protected, the vulnerable, as we say. Then there's another group that we just want to vaccinate as quickly as possible so that whatever threat, which is actually very tiny, in terms of statistics, very tiny threat to people below the age of 65, but nevertheless, not um, not unreal. That needs to be reduced by massive um, vaccination policies, which we have, and we know all about that. And we've experienced it and have lived it. And then to bring, uh, thirdly, to bring daily life, especially for children and young people, back as quickly as possible. Because, you know, your youth never comes back. Your childhood never comes back. If you miss your senior prom two years in a row, as it were, if you miss uh, what it was like to live between 16 and 18 and 19, and you miss it because of a COVID lockdown, you really do authentically miss it when you are the most vulnerable and the most impressionable you can possibly be, and it never comes back. I can swear to that. I've given a lot of thought to that. The impressionability of those early years, if you destroy that, we saw that in Generation War, the um, brilliant German uh, um, miniseries on young people being drafted into the German army at World War II, both women into the nursing corps and uh, men uh, into the German army in the Russian front, and the complete destruction of a generation. These were not 45-year-old ideologues or 35-year-old ideologues. These were 17-year-old boys and 18-year-old girls whose lives were forever, and we know it because I've met many women of that age, all, all of whose uh, fiancés and boyfriends were killed. Uh, Sie sind gefallen. They fell on the, uh, in the, on the, at the front. And um, so you, you bear an enormous responsibility when you um, uh, have a zero transmission policy, which can last forever. I mean, it can be gone on a very, very long time. And even then, it can be wiped out by one. And if it's only one case, and you, you know, they'll say, oh, Melbourne is shut down because there are two cases. <laughs> you want to say, well, um, the, 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 the problem is not the cases. The problem is the hospitalizations and the fatalities and the um, this zero transmission a policy, which, i.e., no risk, no risk, that's where we're going to get it, no step of faith, no 
possible, no margin of error, high bar, highest possible bar to um, fear, of fear. That is uh, um, the way they're doing it. And they have a zero case transmission policy. And that is a very, very high bar for risk. Then uh, there's a very major flaw in their belief that you can just go on you just go on any site, the Sydney Morning Herald or the Sky News Australia or the Guardian Australia or the Daily Mail Australia. You'll get all this. The, um, it's a misunderstanding of human nature. It's putting the possible risk of death, which for most people is small. Um, it's putting that the possible risk of physical death over all other human goods. By that, I'm not talking here religiously, I'm talking about relationships. We believe, we know, we understand that human relationships are everything. When you're dying, that's all you want. Remember I've said that to you before, I had my little moment, but you can have your moment, and you will, when a certain time comes, and you probably have, when all you want is to be held. You're like Somerset Mom. He asked the nurse to get into bed with him and hold him the night he died. He, he wasn't being homoerotic or hetero. He was being human. He desperately needed, hold me, hold me, Snooky Robinson. Um, I don't like you. I love you. You know, always thinking of you. Hold me, hold me, hold me. Um, human nature is deeply vulnerable to aloneness and atomization. <clears throat> It's more vulnerable to that than almost anything, far more vulnerable than to any uh, statistically, because it's 100%. Everybody longs for relationship, even the hardest, most cool customers or the toughest customers, with exception of a few psychotic individuals. Um, you know, I married an axe murderer, but it, it, the need for human companionship is, is, is total. And without it, as we know from early childhood trauma, you know, separation, what is it, Bowlby, B-O-W, John Bowlby, the British psychoanalyst, um, separation, this um, lockdown situation, unlimited lockdown, there are times when lockdowns are essential, but unlimited lockdowns and the fear of snap, as they call them, lockdowns, this denies or doesn't factor in the human nature question. Human beings, human nature is very frangible. It's utterly and totally needy of a hold, a hand to hold. And uh, especially, and if you're single and you're locked down for a year and a half um, and you, you're arrested if you go out on a date with anyone but one person and you have to list one, quote, partner with whom you can be as long as you're socially distanced or at least in a bubble of one other, um, unless, you know, prior children. Um, it, it is a, that they haven't, they're not factoring in. I think maybe they are now a little bit because the suicide rate is, suddenly there's going to be a jump. Hasn't happened yet, but suddenly there's going to be a jump of suicide and uh, <clears throat> they're going to suddenly see that they haven't factored in human nature. They've only factored in epidemiology and that is one important side of it, but it is one of more than one vital human needs. And um, the final thing that is so alarming about these uh, lockdowns in Australia, where the policy of zero uh, case uh, um, 
occurrence and transmission is dictatorship, because the only way you can actually finally um, control this to that degree and put the bar that high and have that little risk possibility, faith possibility, in my view, but I'll talk about that in a sec, is dictatorship. So you, you, every single time you go to the grocery store, you have to check in. Every time you, you go to get your car, um, put gas in, you have to, your little app has to go on a little app that they have. So the contract tracers can trace your movements to the quarter hour in case there was a flare up in the place where you went, whether it's a Costco or a, um, you know, a, a gas station or a gym which are closed. So it, it, the, what's going on in Australia, if you read, the level of monitoring is right out of 1984. It's not like, um, you know, checking what happens during a bombing, you know, when everybody has to hunker down or no looting or what happens during a, um, some other shore of a fire or north of San Francisco earthquake, something like that. This is a level of checking. We use the word Orwellian freely, but it really is. It's a... It's a level of control over daily life as exercised by the state in Sydney and Melbourne that is uh, beyond believing. I, I wonder what Neville Shute would say. Let me say one thing. The movie On the Beach, which came out in 1960, which was really wonderful about the arrival of an insuperable and unchallengeable and terminal um, nuclear radioactive cloud on the sky, sunny skies of the Australian mainland in which everyone is going to die quite rapidly... The power of it is that at the uh, very end, the, there's a scene in, w- in which the Sydney, they sort of take it to, they all decide to commit suicide together, and it's a little bit like what we're seeing. There's kind of a nation of sheep thing going on just a little bit, which is surprising. I always thought it was a little surprising in the, in the was it Stanley Kramer directed it, actually, Stanley Kramer. And <clears throat> however, there's a scene a massive religious rally with an Anglican clergyman. He's obviously an Episcopal clergyman, an Anglican Church of Anglican Church of Australia clergyman, leading a kind of revival meeting of prayer and uh, a real deeply sincere prayer to God as the last moments of their community life uh, are ticking by with the cloud in rapid descent upon them. And uh, it's very moving and very powerful. And the concluding shot of the entire movie on the beach from 1959, I think it was actually. 1960 uh, shows the sort of uh, kind of ruins of all the chairs and the banners and brother there is still time and um, sort of the evangelical um, mood of the uh, scene that I've just mentioned uh, and uh, an extraordinary um, sense that at the very end everyone turns to God. This is not happening at least publicly in Australia and it's surprising and that leads me to the final point, point four Uh, the point about faith it's interesting if you watch the media, and I'm watching it from all points, that is 99% of them are what we would call, you know, like a, a liberal left progressive uh, media outlets there, but they do report at least the number of cases and the news conferences of the premier, as she's called, of of um, New South Wales and Victoria and so forth, but they, um, even South, Southern South Australia, they... Uh, there, there, there's absolutely no evidence that the faith dimension, the the picture that that Stanley Kramer and uh, um, dear old uh, um, Neville Shute put in in the book of turning to God at the point of greatest need. There seems to be absolutely no public 
acknowledgement that uh, that God has anything to do with it. And as a result, there's no there's no real um, faith. There's no. We talk about the triumph of fear over faith. Well, if you look at what's going on in Australia publicly, at least, and that's all we have to go on. And I think what the people are being told is an absolutely invincible suit of armor of fear over faith. And this prevents any sense of risk. We don't even need to talk about faith in Christ or faith in God, although that's where it ultimately has to lie, because that's what gives you the freedom to act. We're talking about faith um, faith as, as the ability to, to do it, pull an Abraham, to, to go to a land unknown, go where you know not. Uh, Moses, to go before Pharaoh, though he doesn't have the gift of public speaking. And um, uh, Jesus to uh, go to dark Gethsemane, let alone to go to Jerusalem from Galilee. And uh, all the heroes of faith of Hebrews 11, not only was this religious faith, which was the core of it, as I said, but it is also the ability to take a risk, to take it to, to, to say, let's do it anyway. Let's, let's trust that God is on our side. Let's, let's do the, the faithful thing. Let's, do the, let's take the step. Let's go somewhere. Let's go on a pilgrimage. Let's, let's move. Let's, uh, let's hey, hey, girl. Hey, wife. Hey, partner in life that you are to me. Hey, husband. Let's together move out. There's a beautiful scene in Fiddler on the Roof, the great, great movie and musical in which the Jewish married couples who are being banned and thrown out of their village um, the older ones, you know, banned by a pogrom. It's an anti-Semitic pogrom, and they're having to leave. But a couple of the the couples, at least three of the couples, there's especially one. The the, the last ones who get married from Tevia, the, 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 the way they hold their hand, they carry the backpacks as it were, they carry their things on their, on their shoulders and they depart for the new life. Most of them go to America, not all but most. One goes to Krakow in Poland and they go off as a couple together. They, they've been forced to seek a new life, but there's something touching about the way they go. Like Abraham, they go for, out from Ur of the Chaldees to the, the promised land of Canaan. They, they go out not knowing where they're going exactly, but they, they have to go. But they go in faith, and it's very touching, that last scene, as they leave Avektana, I think is the name of the Akhetvana, the uh, Russian village. It's so touching. And this is what is completely lacking, so far as I can tell. And let me add one other thing. It does, um, uh, this is specific, it does uh, a kind of disillusion one about the, the tradition of the Diocese of Sydney. I've always been a great fan of the Diocese of Sydney, which, as you know, is the one, not the one, but the one you might call it Western or first world diocese within the Anglican communion that is evangelical pretty completely, pretty thoroughly, that has, has had an evangelical bishop, has had evangelical life, evangelical majority of its clergy and parishes for a long, long time. And its uh, founder was an evangelical sort of in the community of Charles Simeon at the time, actually, the, the one of the founding, the chaplain that went out there, John something or other, or Richard something or other who went out there. There's been an evangelical foundation to create to the church in Sydney right from the very, very beginning of the founding of New South Wales. And um, that tradition uh, seems to have failed. I mean, it, it, it hasn't failed probably from its own point of view, but if you look at the uh, what's happening, it, there's no resistance. There's no there's nobody saying, wait a minute, people, what about faith? Where's our faith here? There are no, there are no mass meetings. So they'll be cut down. But sometimes you have to do that. You have to, you have to be willing to, to pay a penalty, to be martyred even, to continue 
contest a massively mistaken idea. And I wonder, you know, where is Moore Theological College? Why aren't they out picketing? Why aren't why aren't people writing op-eds? Why isn't there a, a, a movement of faith over fear? Why isn't anyone reminding them of uh, what's... Uh, of, of, of the Christian element, because there are some Christians there, and some of them have made a tremendous impression on the rest of the Anglican world, but it sounds to me like, A, they haven't, they've, they've allowed, somehow their witness has not been enough to deter the total march of a secular mindset, and at the same time, I don't see where they're sort of, you know, there are at least a few, we can call them crazies or not, whether they're in Toronto or whether they're in Northern Ireland or whether they're in, uh, in uh, immigrant churches in London or whether they're people in America. I, gosh, the pastor of my church would not put up with this. I mean, we only stopped meeting for two weeks the entire COVID. Uh, the church that I attend on Sunday mornings together with the Episcopal Church, which has also done a wonderful job in keeping the fire burning. But it's as if the fire has gone out or the courage has gone out. Where is the leaven in the lump of the Diocese of Sydney or, for that matter, Melbourne or Brisbane or Canberra? I don't see it, but I certainly don't see it where I would have expected it, which is in the Diocese of Sydney. Something is something is rotten in Denmark. I don't know what it is, and maybe it's there. I'm sure it's there among some, and maybe it's just been quashed by external factors, but no one seems to be willing to really go to jail to bring in a different faith over fear mindset. Well, that's all I wanted to say. I hope you find it interesting. It is extremely important. Um, the misdiagnosis of the problem, i.e. zero case transmission, the misunderstanding or the myopic view of human nature by which the survival of the human body is the only value, and therefore everybody goes into total and complete lockdown despair because they, they cannot have any relationships outside of ones that were already established, and it's been almost two years now. And uh, the, uh, the third is this remarkable, heavy iron hand of the state over there that is really shocking uh, and really surprising in, quote, Anglo-Saxon, at least originally Anglo-Saxon country, at least with those traditions like Canada or the U.S., originally at least. And then the seemingly complete lack of public, obvious, recorded uh, Christian uh, underlining of the uh, the mammoth uh, antidote of uh, faith to fear. Thank you so very much. And I hope you'll follow this and maybe draw some own conclusions about faith of a fear in your own life. I certainly need to. God bless. Bye. I put a spell on you Because you're mine You better stop the things that you do I put a spell on you. 